Welcome to the podcast of RUF at Boston University. Why don't I pray real quick? Heavenly Father, would you just open our eyes to reveal your word and your scripture? Uh, we thank you that you have given us a spirit to illuminate it, uh, to bring to light that which is dark. I pray that you do that now. Amen. Okay. Well, when I was a kid, I was born in 1985, and I've always had this love of starting clubs, like starting like little clubs that kind of last for maybe like a week or so. And one club I made with my best friend and my brother had this logo. And if you recognize that S, it is a classic S from the 80s and early 90s but we were called the Super Secret Spy Club. And to this day, I have a group chat with these guys called the Super Secret Spy Club. Uh, so it actually has stuck around, but we had, you know, we had these codes. We would make codes and we would write letters to each other in code. And then we'd have these missions that we would go on and all this stuff. But each of us, of course, had a role. And that was really important. You know, who's gonna be uh, the, the president or, or, or whatever it is. Um, and then also, like, what do you do? You know, what's your mission? What's your, your purpose? And that was all really important. And it, it made me feel like I was a part of something. It gave me a sense of like, okay, I, I belong here. And then also, it's like, okay, it's something to do, right? It, it's a way to fight boredom. And then in my high school years, I got really into starting bands. And I, I started a couple. This was uh, when all else fails, it was an emo band, and this is us playing at a battle of the bands. And it was so much fun because, uh, you know, here I could I could write these songs with a bunch of my friends. My brother played drums. Uh, my friend Ian was a lead singer. I, I wrote the, the guitar, and, you know, we had another guitarist and a bass guitarist. We each had these roles, and, of course, we each knew what our part was to play. And then we had this awesome objective. We had this awesome purpose, which was to write songs together. We ended up recording them and we ended up playing shows. And it was a blast. Obviously, the band didn't go anywhere. You guys have probably never heard of When All It's Fails. But there's something to that. There's something to being a part of something, having something to do with other people, knowing your place in it, knowing what you're objectives are. And I think it's innate in all of us. I mean, you guys have probably joined a few clubs uh, in your life. And one of the reasons we do that is we, we all want connection. We all want to be connected to something bigger than ourselves. We also want to belong. We want to feel like we have a place. Um, we, we play an important role in that organization or club or whatever it is. And then we also want some sort of shared purpose and shared direction. So these three things, connection, belonging, direction. We try to do these things on our own, right? Um, if you think of the United States politically, like there's a lot of stories of failure of trying to do this. Right? We, we, we try to connect to this larger purpose. We try to make sure it's a place where people belong. We try to uh, have a common vision for what America can and should be, but we fail at that. And there are probably countless examples of, of clubs or organizations or even churches you've been in 
where everyone wants these three things so bad, but it seems so hard to obtain them. Well, God has provided a way, a design, to have connection, to have belonging, to have direction, and it's through the church. So we're going to talk about the church. Let's start off with this idea of connection. When we're thinking of uh, connecting to each other, we're usually thinking of something that's connecting us. What is uniting us? What is bringing us together? Let's look at this, uh, the first part of uh, this, this section. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. I want you to focus on that first part. You're no longer strangers and aliens. It kind of assumes this whole backstory here, right? Where we were, strangers that didn't have any place where they belonged. We were aliens in a foreign land, but God has brought us in. And now we have citizenship in his kingdom. Uh, We are members of a household where God is our father, Christ is our brother. And this is our new identity as Christians. But what is it built on? What is the um, true uh, thing that unifies us? Well, it's Christ. And what has Christ done for each one of us? He has looked at us who are orphans, uh, who have no place to call our own, and he has brought us in. He has forgiven us our sin, and he has uh, given us love that we did not deserve. Uh, We were running from him, and he brought us in to his house, and he said, you're a member of my family now. I like this little cartoon. When two aliens find each other in a strange place, it feels a little more like home. Because this is true of us in Christ, we have been brought in. We were aliens. We were strangers. We can embrace fellow Christians like these two little aliens. You're an alien too? You mean you were estranged from the creator of the universe and God brought you into his family? Me too. That's the connection we have. And we can all acknowledge our backstory, where we've come from. Yes, I was an orphan. I was a stranger. I was lost. And now I'm home with God. But it says that this home is built with a cornerstone. Uh, The old way of constructing things uh, with stone is they had this one stone that they uh, they found it and it was this this perfect right angle. And they would draw these lines, they would have these lines of string from that perfect right angle, that 90 degree angle, so that the whole building was square. This is uh, so important for us to to understand, because this is what Paul is saying that Christ is. This is the foundation of the church, not that fuzzy feeling we get from an embrace, not love, not any abstract value or virtue. It is the person, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it's in him and in him alone that we have Unity. 
Ephesians 4, 4 through 6 says this, there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called, uh, sorry, uh, to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, in all. One, one, one is the repeated phrase there, right? Um, it is so important to grasp that the church, meaning this Catholic, meaning universal church in all time and all space, spanning all cultures, is one in a spiritual sense. Its spiritual identity is one because of Christ, because of God, because of what Christ has done for us. That's the only reason that people from separate uh, parts of the world and separate languages and even across time would have any connection at all. It's because of God. Um, I've, I've used illustrations about my experience in Bosnia from time to time. Um, one of my most memorable and one of the things that sticks with me the most is this church I went to. This is a picture of their worship service. And uh, one of the deacons, name is Mickey. He's standing up on stage. Um, Sarajevo, Bosnia is a place that is in the Balkans, and Balkanization is a synonym for fragmentation and a place that uh, where people just don't get along. Uh, there are all of these people groups, there's all these religions and ethnicities, and they try to keep them together. But every once in a while, it seems like every century, there's a war. And there was a war in the 90s. And the, the three people groups that were kind of at war were the Bosnian Muslims, the Serbian Orthodox, and the Croatian Catholics. And these people hated each other. They were killing each other. It was dividing the country. It was dividing the place, this former uh, capital of Yugoslavia. But now, these people that you see in these pews are worshiping Jesus together. Now, I've not been in that kind of situation where I've lived through a war, but you can imagine that there are some big hurdles to wanting to hang out with your former enemy, right? And the only way this is possible, if, if Christ um, has come and broken down walls of hostility, broken down those, those barriers that you put up between yourself and an enemy, it's only because of Jesus and what a witness to what uh, the possibility of the church can be, this little church in Dolitz, Malta, in Sarajevo, Bosnia. The thing that connects us is oftentimes the thing that is the um, softest part of our heart. Uh, Brene Brown, what made them vulnerable made them beautiful. It's just a little quote, sort of taken out of context, but she has a great TED Talk on vulnerability that you should really go watch. Um, for the Serbian, the, the Croatian, the, the Bosnian, probably one of the sorest spots in their heart was the fact that they had uh, been through this war, that they had seen family members die because of their, um, their neighbors, right? Uh, but coming together and acknowledging that past, that makes it a beautiful experience for them to worship with one voice, right? Now, how does this apply to us? Each of us have soft spots of our heart. 
dark pasts, things that we don't want anyone to know. But because of what Jesus has done for us, he's washed us clean, he's made our hearts whiter than snow, we can be vulnerable with other people who are also vulnerable. We all have that identity as we've been cleaned, which, which implies that we were dirty. So every single person in the church has that past, has a shared past in a sense, and has a shared savior, a shared healer. That's what unites us, is Christ. But what about belonging? What about feeling like you really have a place? Like you're needed and you need them? How does this work? Do I have a place in the church? Uh, this is from The Simpsons. This is a, an episode about this, this guy who becomes this, this loner. And he wasn't a loner before. But, you know, here he is, like, sulking over in the shade of the playground. And all of a sudden, he becomes the coolest person in the school because he's the loner. And I think we have this kind of mentality that loners are cool. Like, to be alone means you're strong. If you don't need people, then you're somehow mysterious. You're somehow given aura of coolness. Uh, somehow you're better than other people. But man, do we know that that is not true. There's the dark side of being a loner. And that's always feeling out of place. And never feeling like you belong anywhere. And I want to take you to Ephesians 4, especially just this first verse, uh, verse 7. But grace was giving, given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now this passage, it's all talking about the spiritual gifts that God, uh, that Christ bestowed on us through the Holy Spirit. And if you are a Christian, you have a gift. You have one of these measures of grace. Each one of you does. And if that is true, it means each one of you have a place in the church. It means you belong. I'm sure many of us have stories of places we've been to, uh, environments we've been around where we feel so out of place. And it's awful. It's terrible. Uh, we don't feel like we have anything to offer. And it seems like no one else uh, values you, values your, your personality. I mean, imagine, you know, you're trying to get involved in a new friend group and you're used, used to being the funny one. And then you get involved in a little group and there's already a funny person. There's already the clown, right? And in that feeling of like, oh no, like my place is taken. Uh, are they going to appreciate my sense of humor and my jokes? And are they going to laugh with me? Um, you know, this is a serious um, crisis we go through when searching for friends. And certainly when it comes to the church, we have this question before us. Is there a place for me? Am I needed? Am I appreciated? And this is telling us in Ephesians that, yes, you are needed. You are there on purpose. Now, um, this loner mentality, I think, plays into the way we view church so often. I want to read this quote. Um, and this is Charles Spurgeon, a Baptist minister who 
um, talks uh, about those who say they don't need the church. And this is going to be pretty hard hitting, uh, but, but hear it uh, with grace. Um, there are some who say, well, I hope I have given myself to the Lord, but I do not intend to give myself to any church because I can be a Christian without it. Now, are you quite clear about that? You can be as good a Christian by disobedience to your Lord's commands as by being obedient? Well, suppose everybody else did the same. There will be no visible church. And then he goes on to use an illustration. There's a brick, a very good one. What is the brick made for? To help to build a house with. It is of no use for that brick to tell you that it is just as good a brick while it is kicking about on the ground as it would be in the house. It is a good-for-nothing brick. Until it is built into the wall, it is no good. So you rolling stone Christians, I do not believe that you are answering your purpose. You are living contrary to the life which Christ would have you live, and you are much to blame for the injury you do. Wow. You're a brick, and you belong in the temple, in the household of God. This beautiful structure that you fit into. That God has made a place for you. And when we don't, when we don't embrace that, when we don't live that out, um, we have no purpose. And we are actually hurting the integrity of the church. I think you get the, the implications here. The application most directly is we need the church and the church needs us. Uh, to, to live otherwise is foolhardy. And why is that so? Well, the, the foolishness inherent in thinking we don't need the church is that we think we can grow in our faith, that we can become mature as Christians without anybody else. Um, all of us need direction. We need to be moving towards a purpose. And the church and the direction that God has designed inherent in the church is answering the question, why are we here and where are we going? And Ephesians 4 makes it very clear. Uh, This is a long passage. To sum it up, there's work to grow us up into maturity. And what does that maturity look like? Uh, The fullness of love, like a body where each part is working properly uh, so that we may no longer be tossed about so that we can be people of integrity, that we won't uh, be shaken when things come along to shake us. This is how we grow. We grow in the church around other Christians. We are made to be holy. And we cannot be made into the holy people that we are meant to be apart from the church. Another uh, 80s reference, uh, Toys R Us, great toy store, completely gone now, right? Uh, I think Amazon killed it. The jingle of Toys R Us was, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. And I, I'll never forget that. I don't, I don't want to grow up. I want to be a Toys R Us kid. And it, it, it sounds great when you're a kid, 
right? You just always want to enjoy toys. You never want to live a life in which toys are not always around you and new toys, especially, right? Uh, but what happens when we get what we want? What happens if our desires as children, maybe you could apply this, what if our desires as children in the faith, we actually get what we want? Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, great book, great movie. I think the older one is better than the, uh, the Johnny Depp one. Uh, but each one of these kids that you see here, all but one, disappears right? If I'm remembering the story correctly, and how do they disappear? They reach after candy, and they get what they want, and they're gone, and you never see them again. It's pretty scary to watch it as a kid. They get what they want, and they never end up getting what they came to get, which is what Charlie got, right? He got the whole factory. The application here is that if we just go after what the world, the, the bright, shiny candy that the world has to offer, we will get what we want, but we will not grow. And we will not get what our hearts truly desire, which is the kingdom of God, which is way more than what our eyes can see. It takes the eyes of faith. Each of us, even people that look completely different than us, sound completely different us than us, eat different things. All peoples from all time that are united by faith in Christ are part of this thing called the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. And can you imagine what it's going to look like to be with everybody all at once? and to sing with one voice, and to just even look around you and experience the kingdom of heaven, the household of God, the glorious temple of Christ. We all want connection. We all want belonging. We all want direction. And friends, the design for that, the ultimate and only way you will truly get that is in the church of Christ. We all want to join different things. I've joined and created countless clubs in my life. None of those things apart from the church can fulfill what you're longing for in each of those. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just give you thanks for the church. Uh, it's meant to be way more glorious then we know it is. We know it's imperfect. Uh, we know it's messy. But Lord, thank you for your scripture giving us a vision of what it will one day be. Thanks to you. Lord, we pray that you would help us to understand how we fit, how we belong in the church today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.